Hello, and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 57. Today, I'm excited to have Stu on. Before I get to that, let me quickly go over my station news. If you want to check out my website, please feel free to do so. It is hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And go to the podcast tab while you're there so you can download the podcast or just sign up for the RSS. And if you had any email, please do feel free to send me emails. I love getting emails, and you can do that at huguenotpodcast at gmail.com. That's also on the website. So without further ado, we're going to be talking about uh, family uh, this time around, which is obviously something I've talked about a lot, but it'll be great to get a different perspective on it. So, um, Stu, if you could, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, Byron. Uh, it's it's great to be back on uh, back on your on your podcast here. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, my name's Stu. I I uh, I've got a small group out here in uh, the Chicago suburbs area, and uh, you know we get together regularly for for rituals and um, general community stuff. Last time you and I talked, we did talk about community, so I kind of see this conversation as being a, an extension of that one. Um, so we're, we're kind of like a, like a kindred without being a real formal um, kindred, but uh, building community, building good um, family traditions, cultural cultural, excuse me, cultural traditions is a very important topic for me. Um, we have members who have, who have children. We have members who have very small children and, and they're starting their families. So, um, I think what's important for us as heathen parents in 2017 is to be building good, strong cultural traditions that we can share with each other and then we can pass on to our children so that they can pass on to their children, because as you probably know, there's not a lot of the stuff that's already ready packaged for us when we find um, the spiritual path. So, looking forward to to talking about that and sharing some ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it was in the Yule episode, or it was an episode around Yule time, where uh, I sort of talked about some of the Yule traditions they might have and how they could be different than Christmas traditions. And in my own my own family, when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of traditions. I mean, we did a Christmas tree and, you know, some basic stuff like that. But coming up with really good traditions that are meaningful in connection to Ossetru can definitely sometimes be difficult. And, and I, I think that we definitely need um, more of those traditions and stuff. So one of the things we wanted to talk about is how heathen parenting is different than any other type of parenting. Um, I guess the first thing to keep it on topic is just the idea of having these traditions. And one of the big traditions I would think for us would be things like bloat. You know, most people don't have bloat. And I do definitely want to get your thoughts on this, Stu, because when you do bloat, it's a very important thing, and it's something you absolutely need to teach your kids and everything, right? But how do you explain to your kids, this isn't what other people do, and we're not weird. This is just how we connect to our own 
our own ancestors and it's different but how do you say but different is okay in this situation yeah so bloat's really really important and my kids love it they they love the rituals um love when everybody comes over and and um you know making those offerings it's really been actually let me back up for just a second because i think that one thing that your kids have an advantage of is they are they were born into an already heathen house. Yeah. Um, my kids are a little older. My kids are are twelve and um, and ten. And so when I found heathenry, it was about eight years ago. And so they were both, um, you know, we were we were taking them to church when they were really little. And you know, and for me, the process took a couple of years of personal, you know, study and and meditation and contemplation before I I made the choice that this is something that we were going to do as a family. And of course, that was something that um, I had to work with my wife on first before before we brought you know the kids into it. But mm-hmm. it's all been v- super organic, like the, it's. It's gone very, very, very smoothly. And so they still remember when they're small, um, you know, uh, going to church, more so when we would go up to visit, you know, um, family. And we'd have to to tag along for, um, you know, uh, Christmas services or Easter or whatever. Um, But the worldview which I think is the most critical thing about being a heathen today, is developing an appropriate worldview. The worldview is already there, um, at least with my son. Um, my daughter is a, is a little bit older, but, but my son seems to really kind of understand, um, you know, some of these concepts that we're going to talk about a little bit better. And, and you talk about how do we talk about it's different, you know, what's different that we do at home versus what other kids do. Um, we have had those conversations, you know, we've had conversations where my son came home from school, you know, back quite, you know, a few years ago and said, I was talking to this little girl and um, she said it was bad to believe in more than one God, that there's only one God. And, you know, that was just how it is. And, and I asked him, I, I didn't kind of steer him. I said, well, what do you, th- what do you think about what she said? He goes, it, it didn't make sense. You know, he says, why would there only be one God? And mm-hmm. and I knew that that worldview was kind of sinking in. And he it didn't bother him. And I told him, I said, don't let it bother you when other people believe things that are different. You know, it's just these are these are our traditions, and this is why we believe what we believe. And honestly, it hasn't been more of a problem from that. And in fact, they've been very proud of. Uh, their cultural beliefs and are always looking for opportunities to to bring that to school to show other kids about it to talk about it and and we're lucky because we're in a good area where it's fairly open-minded and it's it's super diverse and so um you know nobody has any any issues you know it's come up with uh, teachers who've been really interested in class projects um but overall i think that when when they're young enough um you can instill in them those, I guess that, um, I don't want to say it, a, a confidence or a security with what their cultural beliefs are. And I think it's up to us as parents to also be 
confident about our cultural beliefs because they're going to take our lead when it comes to how they represent those traditions to people outside of our family. And one thing I've, I've always been very, very, um, very sure of is that we do not disparage anybody else's religious beliefs. You know, we have a lot of family members and a lot of loved ones who are Christian. And um, I, I try to make sure that, that we are very accepting of, you know, our Christian family and there's nothing... There's nothing wrong with that. That's their. That's the path that they're on. But that's not the path that we're on, and they seem to, they seem to get that. That's good, because um, I think that's another thing that can, that can be difficult. And it, it sounds like you're pretty good with your family, but I could definitely see issues where, obviously, if you're Osetru, for most people out there, their families are not going to be Osetru, and uh, like. Uh, things could come up where your family was actively against you being also true. And they're like, well, you're sending, because of your teachings, my granddaughter's going to hell or something. You know, that kind of thing could be very difficult. Because we're torn. On one hand, we want to say family is super ultimately important. We're all about family here. But then if you've got an active division in your family... It can be very difficult to explain, like, well, we very much disagree with the way that they're acting, but on the other hand, they are still your yeah. family, and you still need to have a relationship with them. Absolutely, so. and you have to respect family. And um, my my mother, who was um, who was a very a very um, you know strict Catholic, um, she would not have understood it, and I knew that, and so I just. Um, there was never any reason to, to rock the boat with her. And she she passed a few years ago, and she was sick for, you know, for a while before that. And I never saw any reason um, to upset her in a way that, um, because I felt like I needed to tell her that, that, you know, I don't follow her, you know, spiritual practice anymore. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it, it never came up. It never needed to. And, um and I'm okay with that. And I'm sure that, you know, as she's with our ancestors now, um, and I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with, with that. Um, she knows, you know, and she knows, uh, what's, you know, what's in my heart and how much I'm like her and, and how well I'm taking care of my family. And I, and I think that at the end of the day, um, those things are, are that important. Yeah, yeah, and I I think for the most part with family, anyway, what I would hope it would boil down to is if your parents or grandparents or whatever situation they may be see that you're being a a good parent to your kids, they're pretty much going to be okay with it. And I want to reiterate what you said, Stu, about we cannot disparage other people for their beliefs. If your family is Christians, don't be like, you're Christians, you're so stupid. I mean, you, you, besides right. that's really rude, they have a right to choose to believe whatever they want. And it's not our job to tell them that they're wrong. And ultimately, I think if we're teaching the right values of honesty and hard work, integrity, pride in oneself, 
uh, those are all good views. Like if you look at the true morality, so to speak, things like keeping your eyes, no one is going to say, regardless of their religion, no one's going to say, oh, oh, well, you should not keep your eyes. You should lie more. No one's going to say that. Our morality right. is good. It's solid. If we, if you live honorably, according to the tenets that are put forward in the lore and the sagas, no one's going to be upset with you because you will be living as a good person. And I, I think that can go a long way if your family sees that you're teaching them, that you're teaching your children good lessons about being honest, about keeping your word, about working hard and being proud of yourself because... Pride is a really tricky one, which is actually harder for adults. If you're proud of yourself as an adult, a lot of times people will be like, uh, you should probably be a little more humble, which as an Austrian, I don't believe. I think you should be proud of what you do. Not yeah. arrogant, but <laughs> Exactly. Proud. No. That, but, and, and that's honestly been one of the biggest, um, I want to use the term deconditioning, um, points from growing up a conservative Catholic is is accepting that Pride isn't always a bad thing. You know, I grew up hearing pride is a sin. You need to be humble, humility. Blessed are the humble, blessed are the meek. And that never wore well with me when, even when I was younger. But um, it, there, there's no reason to, to be ashamed of, you know, our deeds and our actions and, and things. And, but you're right. There is a, there is a line towards um, to conceit and arrogance and... Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to walk that carefully, and we need to make sure our children understand where that line is. Yeah, absolutely, because you can definitely go too far. You can take credit for things that you don't really deserve credit for. And, and you you can think, you're, instead of thinking, I am good at this thing and that's good, if you think other people are inferior to me, obviously that's going too far. Right. And, yeah, it's important to instill that in your children. But something I like about kids is it seems to me anyway, if a kid is proud of a thing that they did and they tell their grandparents or something, the grandparent, I would not think, and I've never seen it the case, that their grandparents are like, oh, you need to be more humble. Even if they are Christian, they're like, oh, yeah, my granddaughter's such a smarty pants. And, you know, you hear grandparents say that all the time, like, oh, my grandkid's just the smartest ever. And it's okay right. to be proud of your grandparents, and it's okay for a kid to be proud of her achievements. So the pride thing's a little easier with kids, actually, which is fortunate, but um, especially as they get older, to teach them to continue being proud of themselves, I think is a really important lesson because most of these things Christians share in common. If you're talking about like being honest or working hard, most Christians also believe that. But pride is one of those differentiators where Christians really do think you should be humble and most Ostertruers think you should be proud of the good deeds that you've that you've done. So that's, I think that's a huge lesson and more important as they get older into their 16, 17 years like that to keep that going and say like, yeah, you should still be proud of yourself is a huge lesson because the world at large is not necessarily teaching the same thing. It, it isn't. And one thing I, I try to instill in my children is, um, is boldness. You know, I want them to be bold. I want them to to not be uh, victims. You know, we talk about we hear about bullying all the time in schools. Mm-hmm. We hear about um, you know children who are 
are made to feel inferior or weak or or whatever different or or whatever it is it's i take it very seriously with my kids and in in trying to you know facilitate them to be able to always talk about what's going on and letting them know that i support them and i understand you know when they're upset or when they're frustrated and you know helping them with with decision making and what to do about it and i'm not you know i'm not opposed to if you know somebody's being physical with you know my kids if they're you know being picked on or if somebody wants to you know is going to try to to fight with them i want them to fight back and i let them know that absolutely you know if a teacher is not there to help you under no circumstances do you allow yourself to be you know to be hurt or manipulated or pushed around by somebody that's just you know, they don't have the right to do that. And teaching them that, and, and it's almost, it's the opposite of turn the other cheek. You know, I do not mm-hmm. want them to be meek. I want them to be bold. I want them to be strong. I want them to stand up for themselves. I want them to stand up for other children, you know. Um, not running, not uh, not looking for fights, but not, not running away from them either. It's kind of cliche to say, but um, that's... That I believe are characteristics and qualities that we're seeing less and less of. I know so many adults that are so easily um, pushed around, and they are passive, and they are meek, and they're so afraid of confrontation because they do not want somebody to be mad at them, or they have a physical fear of other people. That I believe that it is limiting them from, you know, being uh, a complete person. And so if I can teach in that into my children where, you know, you are who you are and you're strong and you're powerful and you do not, nobody has the right to, to push you or to, to, you know, in any way like that, then I, then I believe that I'm, I'm giving them a tool so that when they are an adult, um, it won't be so hard for them to deal with other people to be so meek and afraid of, of others. Yeah, I think boldness is definitely a big one. That is um, definitely a good thing to to push. And uh, the bully thing is really hard because obviously the person doing the bullying is in the wrong, but that doesn't really make a difference. You know, obviously the person who's doing the bullying is in the wrong, but you still have to deal with that situation somehow. And giving them the proper tools to deal with that situation is something that's important to do as as a parent. And and I think you can see yeah. it in the world at large too. A lot of a lot of uh, I don't want to be one of these people that say that says the world sucks and the world's a terrible place because it's not. The world's a good place. Right. But yep. there's a lot of crap going on in the world that sucks and there's a lot of crap going on in the world that you should stand up and say, "Look, this isn't okay." It's we can't just take this and be okay with it. And as your kids grow up, uh, you're right. A lot of people are just like, "Oh well, you know, this is the way things are," and and just deal with it. But sometimes people need to stand up and say, "This isn't right. I'm going to do something about it." Whatever that is, if you're going to pro- protest or if you're going to, I don't know, maybe you'll run for office and try to actually make a change in a political manner or whatever. It doesn't matter, but. 
being okay with the world being crappy is a terrible thing, and it's a huge problem in the world. People will complain on Facebook, and I pick on Facebook a lot, but people will complain about something on Facebook, and then they won't do anything to actually make a serious change. And, you know, they won't go to a protest. They won't won't even vote for somebody who would not let such a thing happen. And, yeah, that boldness of telling kids, and, you know, that's actually a really good true morality that we are responsible for our actions. Part of the being meek thing is saying someone else is in charge. It's not my fault. Exactly. And that's simply yep. not the case. It is. It is your fault. If your life is crappy, well, maybe it's not your fault, but if your life is crappy and you're not doing anything to make it better, it's kind of your fault. And you need to stand up and say, no, this is my life. I'm going to live it the way I want to live it. I'm going to stand up for what's right and do what's right. And if we can teach things like pride and boldness, I really like um, boldness, to our kids, I think they can make uh, a huge difference in the world. So that's a hugely important lesson that I absolutely agree that we, that we think, have to teach them. Yeah, and I think it goes into building our luck as well. Uh, you know, when we accept personal responsibility for our actions and for the change that we can affect in the world around us, I think that it will always affect our luck in a better way. And when you talk about the people who, who you know, they complain and they are um, constantly either illustrating themselves as a martyr or a victim or something, and you see that they have a bad luck, um, there, there's something to be said about, you know, what... What is the work they're doing into into repairing their luck, into you know building that that luck up to be able to pass on to their children? Yeah, and you know that's one of the things that I kind of thought about or think about rather, uh, especially for people starting out new families. You're kind of taking on a huge responsibility because if I'm sitting here as a single guy and I'm living uh, just some boring old life, I'm not doing anything to make it better. I'm kind of like. Uh, I'm not doing a lot for the family luck. That's not cool, but uh, it's not a big deal. I'm just screwing myself over. But when you have kids, that all changes because you have to build up that that family luck because, I mean, our belief, luck does go through the family. And you don't – it is a little esoteric actually, but you don't have to think of it as esoteric if that's not something you're comfortable with. If you're it, a crappy yeah, it doesn't person, have to be esoteric. Yeah. If you're a crappy person, it's going to you're if you're a crappy person who doesn't raise your children well, they are going to struggle because they don't have the tools because you didn't give them the tools. And it irritates me very much when you see these stories of these completely neglectful parents who aren't who aren't a part of their life at all, like they're not going to the PTA meetings and everything or they're leaving their kids in the car to die, which really disturbs me, but it's like you have a responsibility. You know, that one's been bothering me a lot lately. But it's like you have a responsibility to make this kid's life better. And if you can't get your life put together because you want to party or whatever, it's like, how's this kid ever going to survive when they grow up? Can they get out? Can they have a successful life? Sure, but they're going to have to work really, really hard. And you need to give them every tool available to make their life as easy as possible and some people just don't do that and it's like you made this kid 
you know the process that makes kids, yeah. and you don't have to participate in it. So if you've had a kid, you just you have to take care of them. You have to give them these coping skills, and yeah, a lot of people just don't. And it's frustrating. It goes, it goes back into the it goes back into the personal responsibility, and it goes back into and and, and I think that you know to tie it back into a greater heathen ethics um, sort of of system, you know, taking that responsibility responsibility is an honorable it's an honorable trait. It's a virtue, and when we're taking that responsibility, um, we're building our luck. And we're building, you know, that orlog to pass on to our children. I mean, you know, we can get into the esoteric side of things maybe a different day. But um, I'm really grateful for what I've inherited, you know, that luck that I've inherited, um, you know, from my family. And, it, and it's part of who I am. And they weren't heathens. But it, it's, it's that same underlying um, stability and foundation and... Um, that responsibility and sense of self, it all, it all works together. Um, and I, and I think that, that we are, we're called to always be looking towards that next generation because, you know, what, what are we looking for? We're looking for our legacy to live on, to be remembered, to be, to be made immortal within the minds and hearts of our, of those that we leave behind. And we're not going to do that by, being absentee parents, you know, um, right. we're only going to do that by being, by being bold, by being, um, you know, responsible, by taking action, by, um, you know, defending others, taking care of our, our families and our friends, and more importantly, shaping yeah, the minds. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And um, there's always a thought that I've had that I think is very profound, but I have never been able to word it. Correctly, so I'm going to try to say it again, and and maybe you can add something to it so the listeners can understand just how important it is. We have a connection to our very gods back through the family line. If you trace, you know, your mother to her mother to her mother to her mother all the way back, you will end at Ash and Imbla and receiving the spark of life from Odin himself. We have a direct connection to divinity through our family lines. And by having children, you are forging that chain one link longer, and you are now reaching out into the future as well. And the, the responsibility, but also the honor and the joy of being part of this unbroken chain that goes back to the gods themselves is just, is just an, amazing, an amazingly positive feeling. It's just... And, and 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 also true, it's so much stronger because it's all about family and it's all about connection. And it's just, that's something that I wish I could put better into words that I just find to be a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful thing and it's very, um, it's inspiring. And, and I would cite that to be the primary um, reason that I even found uh, heathenry in the first place. You know, I was doing genealogy research and I was tracing my family tree back and 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 I I like to say that I felt you know the call of um you know my ancestors and to try to understand how they lived and and where they came from and what they believed and um you know it made sense you know it it, it just uh it felt right and and I 
and I want to be able to make sure that I keep that chain going and that I do everything I can to to be um you know worthy of the ancestors that have lived and loved and sacrificed and died to keep their families going you know to keep to keep that chain reaching into the future and and it's it's our responsibility now to you know, be worthy of everything they did and to keep it going further. And, and we don't, yes, I agree with you. The world does not suck and the world is a, is still a good and wonderful place full of magic and mystery. But we have a lot of challenges, a lot of cultural challenges right now. And, you know, a lot of it is due to just lifestyle and, um, everything, everything that goes into it. You know, we don't need to soapbox, but right. we have, our unique set of challenges are preserving those ethics and those values for our children. We're no longer is our primary job making sure that our children stay, you know, alive through the winter, you know, that they're fed and they're kept warm. Our challenges are how do I, how do we keep them intact through, um, through the dangers of, you know, online influences or pop culture media or, um, you know, unhealthy, um, food systems and all of those things. How do we, how do we protect and preserve, you know, that so that it can, it can weather those, those challenges and and keep going forward into the future. That's the, that's the unique challenge that we've been given as part of our sagas right now, you know? Yeah, and I um, just wanted to mention another thing that, and I go into this on a on a podcast, the idea of autonomy or self governance, and and yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's the huge challenge that kind of ties everything together. So much with the media and um, online influences and everything else going on in the world, and and advertising. I'm not saying advertising's bad, but advertising is one of the other things that tries to direct an individual's will to somebody else's goal. And I think the media is also very obvious. They're trying to direct your will to a particular goal. Um, And to teach our children how to say, this is truly what I want to do, instead of I'm just buying into the propaganda. And I'm not talking political here. There's all sorts of different types of propaganda. But how do we teach our oh, kids? Sure. Yeah. How do we teach our kids to think for themselves and make their decisions? Because that's what I want. Um, when my kids grow up, I want them to make decisions that are truly their own, not just a regurgitation of what this or that famous person or online personality says. I want them to truly develop into their own individual person and uh it's a challenging thing but i think we're at an advantage being also true because that's so strong in our lore and so many of our gods and more importantly for me since i have daughters our goddesses were very strong-willed they did what they want you don't see a situation where freya does whatever odin says there's a lot of situations where she does her own thing or even frigga you know odin's wife she doesn't just mm-hmm. do what he says. She does what she wants to do. And there's a lot of good stories where you see her um, exercising her own free will. And we can put that up as a as a model for our kids to say, like, hey, look, even 
the goddesses, they do what they want to do. They exercise their own free will, and you should also do that. So I think in a lot of ways we're lucky because it would be harder to find in the Bible stories about strong women doing what they want regardless of what a man says. Sure. And in Austria, it's a lot easier to find those stories because that's pretty much all of the stories. Yep, absolutely. And, and, you know, I I have a middle schooler now. And so you talk about the things that are, are, you know, um, marketing and media and the way that it tries to influence children's opinions and, the, you know, the cult of um, celebrity and the way that that factors in. These are things that I'm dealing with on a daily basis, you know, trying Mm. to trying to preserve, you know, what is, um, what is good, you know, what is meaningful and what is, what isn't. And I'm not a, um, I'm not a guy that wants to, you know, eschew the modern world and say that, you know, everything out there is, is bad and evil, but I am very defensive and protective about what my, my kids do have access to, you know, and dealing with, with peer groups. You know, at school, like when they get to be a certain age, peer groups become so critically important to them. And if they do not have a heathen peer group, and my children do not at this point, um, you know, they're falling in with groups that are part of, you know, the mainstream culture where what might be most important is, um, you know, um, whatever, you know texting and you know whatever latest phone or you know having your own youtube channel and you know um that sort of thing so trying to help my daughter stay grounded during this formative period is a challenge yeah i could see it being a huge challenge i mean i'm currently i've got a well edda just turned one and sagas (laughs) too so i'm not dealing with you got a minute yeah, I've got a while before I get there, but um, I can imagine it'd be a huge challenge. Do you have any tricks or tips you'd like to share? Because I don't know what Jeez. I'm going to do when I get there. I'd, I'm I'm figuring it out, man. Um, you know, a, a lot of things just happen very, very quickly, um, mm. and and I that that's part of something that's been on my mind a lot is how can I incorporate um these values into um you know into their their lives and make it more relevant and and keep it something that they're thinking about on a daily basis rather than just you know every other month when we get together with our our little community for for ritual and i and i think that i need to do more um with them individually and one-on-one i think one important thing, and I don't know if you and I have talked about this before, but the whole idea of rites of passage, um, you know, as yeah. my daughter is moving into her teenage years, we're getting to a point now where I need to be thinking about how do I, you know, how do I give her tools to, you know, um, to be considered, you know, a, a woman within our community and, um, you know, what should she be able to demonstrate her knowledge and understanding of, you know, our values and our lore and those sort of things? What are what are the practical side of things as well? Like, you know, um, 
household skills, you know, life skills. Like, these are the sort of things that they don't teach you in school, you know? Like, I, there was so much I never learned in school that I had to learn as an adult when I was kind of faced with it. Um, you know, it, something could be said for homeschooling, and that's something that, that my wife and I talk about a lot is, you know, our kids are in public school because we're lucky to live in an area that has very good public schools, but mm-hmm. I still feel like there's something lacking there that, that I might want to consider homeschooling them to let them focus on what they want to focus on or what, you know, for their lives, but also focusing on practical living skills. Yeah, unfortunately, public schools really leave a lot to be desired about, you know, just these practical things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, I know when I went to school, they never taught you, well, there's like an hour course my senior year that's like, oh, yeah, and uh, money's a thing, so I don't know, get a checkbook. But, I mean, something like yeah. budgeting, is it's boring, but it's actually hugely important. And a lot of kids have trouble yeah. budgeting. And I had trouble budgeting when I was younger. I, it's still a challenge, but I've obviously gotten a lot better. Um, and especially because kids normally have jobs in high school and when you have a job in high school you're like oh i have a job and i buy stuff i want with the money that i get from my job and that's not how reality works you get paid and the majority of your money goes to your mortgage and your or your rent and your electricity and all these other bills and to have like a good um education on that is something that's kind of important which they don't they don't teach in school at all. And there's a lot of problems with school with, you know, just the idea that instead of you doing what you want to do, you're just stuck in a classroom. But on the other hand, I don't know, as, as school homeschooling's tough because I was actually homeschooled for part of the time that I grew up and I didn't have any friends because we only had one neighbor kid. So so that's the yeah. disadvantage of public homeschooling. You can do it if you have a group of like 30 other people also homeschooling that you can see on a regular basis. But if you don't have yeah, that, like it's hard co-op. to give them. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah, it's hard to give them the social interaction when you homeschool, yep. but the education is 100% better. So that's a huge decision and, and not an easy one by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's tough to find um, secular homeschool co-ops. Um, a lot of them are Christian, are Christian based, and that I just don't see that as work as working out. Um, it's something I'm going to keep thinking about, and I'm going to be looking into you know over the summer as we get ready to move into the next school year. Um, I want to make good decisions for my kids. You know, I think one of the biggest things we can teach our kids though is consequences. You know, letting, making sure that they understand that their actions do have consequences. And it, there's no better time for them to learn that than in a safe environment while still at home. But it's so easy to cave, you know, and to want mm-hmm. to save our children, you know, the feelings of hurt or um, loss from, you know, a, um, a something that they, a perk or, or something that they've, they've had or of uh, possession or something. Um, I try to work very hard with my daughter to make sure that she understands that that her actions have consequences. And and a, you know, one big thing between a, a Christian house and a and you know our, a heathen house is I don't want I don't care about guilt. 
I don't need her to be guilty about anything. And I tell her that. I said, I, I don't want to hear I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm not interested in that. I want to see your actions change. And, there's, you know, we, we hear about or we read about the difference between a shame-based and guilt-based. Um, mm-hmm. I want her to understand that that it's not, you know, guilt to, you know, a God or guilt to your parents or you've hurt my feelings or anything like that. It's it's more of a, I need you to understand that what I'm trying to teach you is your actions are going to cause, you know, X, Y, and Z. And that in order to not have bad things happen, you need to make good judgment, you know, make correct decision-making. And that's... Uh, and that's something that all kids are going to struggle with because they're, they're id, you know. It's it's pleasure mm. seeking. It's the path of least resistance. It's getting what they want, and I understand that. You know, it's very, it's very apparent. But teaching them, you know, the work to slow down, to to be detailed oriented, to use good decisions, to think about what could be safe and what could be unsafe. Um, these are all things that we have to. That's that's our our lucky job as well. Yeah, and that's a hard one to teach kids personal responsibility, which is absolutely one of the foundational things about Ossetro. We do talk about being responsible for our actions, and the reason that we think that pride is a good thing is because we are responsible for our actions. So if we do something good, we deserve to be proud of it. Where the Christian sense, generally, the way you usually hear it as like, yeah, you do some bad stuff, but then you ask for forgiveness and you're given forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to do personal responsibility. And my situation's obviously different because the kids are so little. But uh, Saga, who's two, so she understands the world around her. You know, she's got a lot of toys and sometimes she'll break one. And it's very tempting to be like, oh, no, you broke a toy, let me get you another one or let's buy a new one or something like that. And I've been really careful to not do that, to be like, oh, you broke a toy, that's unfortunate, now you don't have it. Because that sucks for a kid. And she's going to cry and... And I'm there, and I'm not like, how do you think, how do you like that? You know, I'm supportive, and I'm like, oh, this is so unfortunate. I'm sorry this happened. But not to just go buy her a new one or whatever, because usually it's she's the one who broke it, obviously. And it's like, well, this is what happens when you don't treat your toys right. They get broken, and that's unfortunate. And I'm sorry, but that is the reality of it. So, yeah, that one's tough. Yeah. It's very hard. It is. Um, I'm going to get your opinion on something else because this is one that is important to me, and I don't. It's not a popular belief to hold, so I'm curious what you think. I have always been very staunch in the idea that you should be honest with your kids. I don't like the idea of lying to your kids. Santa Claus is an example where you'd lie to your kids, and we don't do that for multiple reasons. But uh, the other day, actually it was a couple weeks ago, uh, we said something, Saga said something like, oh, the sun's going to bed. And I was like, well, that's a neat way to think of it, Saga, but technically the sun is setting because the earth rotates around the sun. Because even that cute thing of like, the sun is going to bed, I was like, ah, but if I say that, I'm actually lying to my kids. 
How is it ever okay to lie to your kids? And how honest should we be with them about maybe difficult to understand things? I think that when children are small, they have the capacity to understand so much, right? Because their brains are are still developing. And obviously, you're not going to talk to your daughters on the same level that you talk to your wife, right? Right. Just what what yes. they can understand and what they can comprehend are going to be different things. Their worlds are, are very different than ours. And yeah, like I, I understand what you're saying about the, um, about the, uh, about Santa Claus and Tooth Fairy and Easter Bunny and all that stuff. You know, there are some things that I think are not very harmful. And there are some things that I think are, um, are maybe more, um, maybe could be more harmful. But let me ask you this. Let me, let me, let me swivel the table around in the other direction. If you are, are um, so we're not going to say that the sun is going to bed, but but will you say that you know there's a wolf chasing the sun and it's and it's fleeing you know from from the wolf and and now you know um, Mani's rising into the sky and um, or does it stay entirely scientific um, with you? Well, with with me, no, I. I could say that. I could say that story um, because there is truth to that myth. That myth is true, though it doesn't technically happen like that. Or there was recently a time when there was thunder outside, and I mentioned something about Thor making noise with his hammer or whatever. And I think that's okay because... A myth is actually true, and I believe it to be true. The same thing when I tell Saga that the gods are real. It's not lying, because I do think the gods are real. And I do think that those myths have truth to them. But the sun going to bed isn't a myth. So I feel like since I believe it to be false... (laughs) I mean, since if I believe something to be false... I'm not going to tell them it's true. If I believe it's true, even on some level, I'm willing to say it's true because I actually currently myself believe it's true. Sometimes, sure. a lot of I, times, I, I'll try to say it's a myth, but but yeah, no, that is a good point. I think that that um, I think that children like those stories. You know, children like to be able to understand the world around them probably the same way that our our primitive ancestors wanted to understand the world around them while they're still you know unsophisticated they're going to put things within the context of what they understand and so she knows that at certain time it's night night time it's time to go to sleep and so she's seeing the sun setting and getting ready to go to sleep and i don't think there's a lot of harm you know, and her thinking that way. I think that as she gets older and has a more sophisticated understanding, and you can share with her the myths and with science, and and at some point in her life, thunder can both be, um, you know, Thor's hammer, and it can also be, you know, a pressure system and and a function of the weather. Um, you know, then it gives her a a fuller perspective. Now we did do the Santa Claus bit. Um, because obviously we started it when it was it when when the kids were young, but I 
it's never been something Christian, you know, and it's always been fun and it's always been kind of tongue in cheek as well. Um, especially, you know, the, the, the last few years of, you know, of when they were, you know, buying into it, you could always kind of tell, they would say, Oh, Santa must have the same wrapping paper that we do, you know? And so it, it became a little bit of a joke, you know, but I also spend time, showing the origins of, you know, where Santa did come from. And, and um, you know, for Yule, we did put, um, we did put the, the boot full of hay and, um, you know, out for sleep near, and we did, you know, leave beer out for the wild hunt. Um, and that was, and, and, and that's good. You know, we do talk about the, about elves and the, the whole, the folk, the things that we can't see and whites and, and while I don't have any scientific explanation for any of those things, we still make offerings to the land whites, to things that we can't see, things that we don't understand. Um, and I think it's important to maintain that element of mystery and magic, lowercase m, you know, magic in our children's lives. Um, I don't want to close them off from all the different possibilities, you know, of what could be out there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And we do, um, like we do, offerings to the whites as well. And, and I'm going to continue doing that. I think the Santa Claus thing for me and how it's different than the whites, I think the whites exist. No, not scientifically, not like I have a cage with whites in them, not like that, but they do... Right. somehow and some plane of existence exist. And I don't think Santa Claus does. I think it's just completely not true. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything oh, wrong yeah, yeah. necessarily with telling your kids that Santa Claus is real. It is something that I choose not to do. But uh, right. it, it's, it's a trick. It's a balance. You want to teach them. Because I was surprised by how well Saga understood the concept of the Earth rotating around the sun after a couple, two or three days of explaining it. she I think she really did understand right. it. But on the other hand, to completely take out all mess and just talk scientifically, I think that'd be a disservice as well, and especially when she's older, because it's hard for her to understand these things now. The idea of giving offerings to the whites and giving offerings to the gods and saying, hey, this mead that we're sharing... When we when we bloat it, it's going to the gods, and they will drink it too. I think saying things like that is definitely good, and definitely is definitely a thing that you that you should do. And I think it's true. I think the gods do drink with us, and I think the gods are at bloat with us. So, so yeah, I don't want to come across as this guy that like only reads my kids' science books, and I never talk about mess at all because it's not science. Because it's it's not. That's not healthy. I think that's going too far in the other direction. Sure. So, yeah, yep. that is yep. something good it's, to bring it's, up. It's, uh, it's, it's striking that balance, and I think that's going to be a, a personal preference um, between children. Um, between, you know, within families, I should say. You know? Right. And I don't see there being a lot of harm in there. I think, though, that what, what we should be doing is focusing our children's minds around those myths, around those magical aspects of, you know, our 
of our origins and our culture and our history. And, um, you know, so, so that for them, it, the world does make sense, even in their, even in their unsophisticated, you know, um, little imaginations. And, and as they get older, you know, we can help them go, go deeper and further without feeling the need that we need to obfuscate the truth of, you know, the world and how it is. And, and, you know, even things that we think might be a, a fairly benign, um, you know, we just, we just help them grow in a different direction. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that we should make these myths part of their lives. Um, something I've been trying to do, and I've not been doing as good as I wish I was, but um, we read the girls' bedtime stories every night, and we do that without fail because it's a fun thing to do. I'm, I'm trying yep. to, on occasion, instead of doing you know green eggs and ham or one fish, two fish, tell them a story from the lore. Like last night, I told them the story about Thor and the dwarf. And, and I, I think that would be, and especially at this age, for people who have kids at this age where they still want bedtime stories, I think that would be a really strong, positive thing to do, to be like, and here's a Dr. Seuss book. That's fun. Now let's do a like, quick story of the lore. And not read out of the Hollander translation of the Eddas where it's impossible to understand right. and takes a bunch of study. But like maybe from your mouth as an oral tradition, I'm going to repeat this story that I know to you. Um, I think that would be a really good thing to do. So I'm, I'm trying to incorporate that uh, more for the kids just because I think it would be cool if they knew – the stories of our own lore as well as I know Dr. Seuss or the Brothers Grimm. It yeah. would be so cool to have that ingrained in them. It, it would be. And um, Mary Pope Osborne has a great translation, too, of the Norse myth um, for kids. I think she also did one on the Greek myths as well. But um, that's one that um, my kids had, and they particularly like the... Um, you know the story of uh, of Thor and his son when he you know slayed the giant. How his son had to help lift a you know lift it off of him. You know those were fun mm-hmm. stories for them when they were when they were young. Also, um, you know the popular one is Dallaire's, um North Norse myths for children. Um, there's some pretty good there's some pretty good resources out there. It's tough um, taking in and presenting that material in a way that children can understand what's going on, you know. Um, right. And and I that's something I've been working on for for a long time is helping them understand those things. Um, but yeah, they, they, I mean, it could be difficult for an adult sometimes to follow what's happening in some of the you know some of the sagas and 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 eddas. Um, but being able to translate to, that to to kids, we do need to revert back to more of an um, oral tradition. We have to make sure we understand the stories well enough so that we can that we can convey those. Yeah, because one of the tricky things when you start trying to tell kids these stories or whatever, you realize how much that you know you've forgotten over the years or whatever, or how difficult it is to put them into like easy to understand um, common sense words and i'll I'll look these two books up um if i remember i'll put them in the show notes for everybody listening uh 
But yeah, I really like the idea of these myths becoming like an everyday thing. But there's a lot of myths that are hard, that are really hard to understand for me as an adult. It's like, what's the meaning of this myth? What's this really saying? The Briesingly necklace, Freya and the Briesing's necklace is a good example of that. It's like, what's truly... And that, that myth may be too adult for a two-year-old child, but... Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I would have a hard time trying to translate no. that one. <laughs> I, I wouldn't give that to a, to a two-year-old child because, I mean, I've got thoughts on that myth and we'll go over them. Uh, that's for people listening. That is one of the pieces of lore we're going to go over in the future. Um, but, like, it's, I've gone back and forth a lot on that. Like, well, it means this. It's like, no, actually, it means this. No, actually, it's really getting at this. So to to just understand the lore enough to be confident what it means before you tell it to a child is a challenge, but a healthy one for you as a parent. It kind of gives your gives you a chance to be like, well, do I understand the myth? Let's make sure I really understand it before... I read it as a bedtime story to my kids. Now, we are coming up to an hour, I believe, so we're going to start wrapping up. I've enjoyed the conversation. We've we've kind of gone a lot of ways. Um, I don't ever script my shows for this very reason. I like to watch the conversation develop yeah. as as it will. So... Hopefully everybody else enjoys that as well. But, um, Stu, did you have some any last points you wanted to make? or, or if, We have time for another topic if you want to discuss any last-minute topics. My kids are going crazy, no, by the way. No, um, what, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> uh, very appropriate. Um, no, we have a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of points in this conversation that I think that we need to be be really thinking about as um, as as parents for you know raising our children as heathens as Asatruars and in the age that we're living in. I think what's most important is that we're constantly looking for ways to to make our children feel a part of a culture and and conveying to them a sense of identity. Because I believe that a lot of um, the quote-unquote issues that we see today is that people not feeling like they belong to something um, that is meaningful. And so looking for ways to incorporate the culture in our day-to-day lives, looking for ways to connect to other people, um, other heathens, showing that that this is important, showing that we are indeed, you know, children of the gods and that we are, you know, um, we're responsible for each other and living this good life and that we come from, you know, strong, good, honorable people and, and we have those as role models. These are all things that we need to, to teach our children to give them that self-esteem and that that courage and that boldness. But I think that we've got a lot more that we can, we can talk about this stuff, you know, maybe sometime in the future, um, you know, we can dig into it. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would love to have you back on. I will stay in touch with you. Um, I know next month uh, we're probably going to dig into the lore again, and I will do that with Steve. Um, but I'll stay in touch with you because having you as a regular guest would be awesome because um, I've been talking a lot of parenting stuff just here and there 
because I'm a new parent. That's part of my life now. But to have another perspective on parenting would be great. And yeah, I, I really think this idea of boldness and personal responsibility is so huge for our kids because we're going to raise them. We're going to do everything we can, but eventually they're going to move out and they're going to be their own people. And they need to have the tools yep. to live a successful life. They need to have the tools to actualize their, their own wills. And we are the only people as parents who can give them those tools. So our job is just so important. And sometimes I feel like yep. we forget just how important a job being a parent is. It, is. it is the most important job you will ever have. So, so yeah, a, a, lot to th- a lot to think about here. So um, if anybody had yep. any questions on this episode, do please... Um, let us know. Stu, I want to thank you once again very much for being on, and I definitely want to have you on in the future. So no problem. Anytime. Anytime. All right. Well, everybody, uh, hopefully we will uh, certainly will have Stu on again in the future because it's been a great conversation. And everyone out there, thank you very much for listening. And if you had any questions, please send them to HugenhoffPodcast at gmail.com. I do apologize if the children were distracting, but I love them, so I'm not going to tell them to leave the room. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you next month. Fra hell.